0: I like drinking beer and I like talking hockey. When I get to do both, I feel pretty lucky. Oh, let's get pucked up. Oh, there was not nearly the noise to that that I was hoping, but I'll pour it out anyway. This promises to be a pretty flat beer, I think. That's a so, pretty interesting looking jug. Yeah. Oh, so this is a, yeah, NWT Brewing Co. Um, okay. These are the growlers that we have up here that you might soon be familiarizing yourself with, Devin. <laughs> That's uh, right. Don't mind me as I clean off the the laptop <laughs> as I spilled a bunch of beer. <laughs> I, I shouldn't say a bunch; a very small droplets. I don't want to repeat of what I did back in China when we were having the hockey draft, and I oh yeah knocked over Wyatt's beer onto my MacBook Air that I'd only had for two months Ouch. and just fried it. Oh man. Um, but yeah. Welcome to uh, another edition of Let's Get Pucked Up with your hosts, uh, money and Grangles over here. <laughs> um, we're basically becoming the two co-hosts of this thing at this point, it feels like. So uh, thanks for being with me yet again, Devin. Uh, Devin is uh, the aforementioned Grangles, Devin Granger. He is uh, hanging out in North Bay right now. Uh, how are you doing tonight, Devin?
1: Yeah, not too bad. Um... Had a pretty good day overall. Again, just kind of enjoying my time off, watching some uh, hockey rumors. I uh, got to watch the Stanley Cup Finals game there, uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about. So that's been yeah. good. It's been relaxing.
0: It's good to hear. So, um, for those of you who are curious about the first bit that I teased there, talking about Devin potentially getting to know the NWT Brewing Co. Um, Devin has been talking about the possibility of moving up to Yellowknife. Join me up here so we don't have to do this over Zoom as much anymore. We could potentially just do it in the same, uh, room, room in the future, which would be nice. Uh, we'd love to have you up here. Hopefully that materializes at some point. Um, but yeah, the aforementioned NWT Brewing Co. They make great beer. I'm drinking one of their, uh, raspberry sours right now, which is just uh, a tasty treat. So I'm really enjoying that. And uh, yeah, maybe the first thing we should get into, Devin, is talking about the Stanley Cup final that just passed. So Tampa Bay Lightning, big winners. Um, Yeah, very well deserved. I'm excited that the team that was actually like the better constructed, more entertaining, um, maybe not the better storyline team, but just like they had some good storylines too. Anyway, I'm just glad that Tampa won it and not Dallas. How did you feel about it, Devin?
1: Yeah, you know, as I mentioned earlier that I'm a Dallas fan, but kind of sucked not seeing them be able to pull it together the last, you know, few games. But I was happy to see Tampa win for the exact reasons that you mentioned. Um, I think there is like a narrative out there that you have to be like super gritty or you have to have like the best defensive core. But if you look at Tampa, they're just really well balanced. Like they played all all facets of the game and they brought it all together. They're not just like, you know, one particular style. It seemed like they brought the whole package and they were still able to utilize their skill. And uh, yeah, they were very entertaining to watch.
0: Yeah, I really, I just have to commend Tampa. And it's, it's hard to do as, as we're both Leafs fans. They're in our division and they're basically the team the Leafs aspire to be at some point. But you have to commend them for the way that this team has been built, um, the way that they reacted to getting just demoralized last year by Columbus. The fact that they addressed their, their shortcomings so well. Um, Julian Breezewa just did an awesome job this year of putting this team together, like signing, signing guys like Kevin Shattenkirk to a one year, $1.75 million deal. Uh, Zach Wigosian getting him off the scrap heap too. So basically just picking apart the carcasses of uh, other teams that overpaid for these guys and getting them on just insanely cheap deals not to mention, like, sure it felt like an overpay when they traded those like first round picks for Barclay Goodrow and uh Blake Coleman, but when you look at what those guys contributed, how well they did the in the playoffs, especially Blake Coleman, I feel like. Um, and they they're not just rentals, they have them for another year, they have them locked up for a really cheap. I think the two of them combined are under three million uh against the cap, which is huge. And then you think about the fact that they were able to get Braden Point on that bridge deal before COVID hit, before the flat cap for like $5.9 million a year. And like, let's be honest, he's worth more than Mitch Marner at this point, I think we can say. It's hard to say as a Leafs fan, but he just does so much. Um, and I remember when he was going into his uh, RFA deal year, uh, just thinking like he and Marner should probably command about the same amount. The fact that they got him for $5.9 million annually – it's just absolute robbery on Briezuel's part. Um, so they have that. They have just a ton of guys that are playing really well together, and that are and people on the team are just like being paid the right amount. They were able to squeeze so much talent in under the cap somehow. You got to give it to them.
1: Honestly, if you just summarized all of the like amazing things that Tampa Bay did quite well there like it kudos to you on on that like you you, uh, what i can basically add to this then would be patrick maroon as well oh yeah he's another that's the
0: one part i missed you right yeah but man (laughs) like you
1: you literally covered everything there i was just like wow um but pat maroon comes in what was it like seven or eight hundred thousand dollars st louis did not veterans minimum somehow yeah it didn't make sense to me because i i knew that he was like an important role for St. Louis in that cup run as well, just as he was here too. And you, you talked about Barkley Goodrow. So Barkley Goodrow played for the North Bay Battalion, where I'm from, and he was always touted as sort of this really hardworking, like intelligent player. And it doesn't surprise me that Tampa would pay a first-round pick for him and pay a first-round pick for Blake Coleman, who scored 20 goals, I think. Um, so he he could put the puck in the net. And some people, again, might say, hey, that's an overpayment. But why? Why is it that it was a first round pick? Well, these guys are good. They've got um, high hockey IQ. They're getting paid nothing. And you have them for more than one year. That's worth the first round pick, right? It's It's a body that provides depth and can do things. And it's something that I think is a now a blueprint for a lot of teams, including Toronto Maple Leafs. And we don't know if they're going to be able to have this kind of depth.
0: Another thing I'd want to add on the Barclay Goodrow uh, pickup is that they got a third round pick back to along with Goodrow in that deal. And that's San Jose's third round pick, So that's going to be at the very top of the third round. Whereas their first round pick is 31st overall, I guess at this point, cause they won the cup um, also with Tampa's scouting and drafting history. Like there's a good chance that that third round pick ends up being something decent. So, um, yeah, I, I like that trade. In retrospect, it's an awesome trade. And you think about other players in the past who have cost a first round pick at the draft or at the at the trade deadline, guys like uh, Antoine Vermette or Ryan Hartman for teams that went on like Cup Cup final runs. Um, and I think you could argue that Barclay Goodrow did a better job fitting into this team and contributing to Tampa's Cup run than say. Ryan Hartman did when Nashville made it to the final or Vermette did when Chicago won the cup. So yeah, you have to, you have to give kudos to, to Breezois on that one. I mean, Eiserman built this team, but Breezois just really just finished it off and cemented the, the spots that needed to be just figured out. So good on yeah. him. Yep, brought in those necessary pieces. And
1: Goodrell was a captain. And by the way, he's obviously has that history of being a good leader, and probably could fit in into a lot of different teams. So,
0: yeah, and let's not forget, like, um, I, I know you don't need. It, it's kind of like played out to put emphasis on past playoff performance. Like that's why a guy like Brian Bickle got signed with that ridiculous contract that he had. But look at uh, Goudreau's performance with San Jose last year. He was the guy who. Uh, scored the overtime winning goal against Vegas in game seven. Like he steps up in big moments. Um, I know that's just like one example. So it's, it's convenient, <laughs> but um, whatever he did well. I not he fit into the team. well.
1: <laughs> yeah. Another thing that I noticed about them and uh, maybe it's of interest to some people, but, but is the way that they structured their defense. So their first line is Victor Hedman. So obviously,
0: you know, but anyone with yeah. Hedman, you'll be fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, like the the, the best player on, on the team, arguably. And then Kevin Shattenkirk. So kind of that guy where you're like, you know, is he still the Kevin of the past? And then you have Mikhail Sergachev, Like, he's an established name now. He's good. And then Eric Cernak, like an up-and-coming guy. And then Ryan McDonough, who's a name. And then Zach Bogosian. So the point I'm trying to make here is that they balanced out their lines with like a very talented, well-established, sort of defender in Hedman, Sergachev, and McDonough, and then paired them with guys who, they're not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but they didn't just basically stack a line with like McDonough and Hedman or Sergachev and Hedman. That's the point I'm trying to make.
0: Yeah, Uh, and while we're talking about just uh, how balanced this team is, the most remarkable thing possibly is that they had this balance, they had this depth, all without Steven Stamkos, minus that two minutes and 47 seconds that he played. And I mean, what a two minutes and 47 seconds. He like lit the world on fire for that brief time. He was back in game three and definitely pumped up his team. But uh, yeah, I don't think uh, we can lose sight of the fact that this Tampa team did all this without arguably their like top sniper.
1: So the question then is, who are they going to keep and who are they going to trade when it comes to them and a cap issue?
0: Yeah, so the names Alex Cloran and Tyler Johnson have been floated around quite a bit. I think it's obvious that one or either one or both of those guys are going. They just aren't producing quite enough, or to, to be paid what they are. Or in maybe I think that's more Tyler Johnson's case. In Alex Cloran's case, he's just like a great piece to have, but he's he's a luxury at this point that they can't afford, unfortunately. They have to figure out which of those guys amongst like him, uh, Johnson, Yanni Gord, Andre Pallott, they're going to keep. And it looks like they want to hang on to Gord and Pallott more than Johnson and Killorn. Um, I would be interested to see if they do anything with Ryan McDonough, to be honest. Because McDonough's contract is pretty pretty long and pretty expensive for a guy who looked like he was fading fast in the regular season. Um, and this would be the time to do it after a cup run, where they win the cup, and he played pretty decently for them, like everyone on the team did. They could probably trade him without having to retain salary right now. So, what do you think that about McDonald? Yeah,
1: that would be impressive if they could do that. I don't. He's got six more years, I think. At yeah. six seven five,
0: so uh, it's like kind of. He? It's kind of like 49? the. It's kind of like the Seabrook contract, except he's uh, exactly what I was yeah. thinking. Except he's maybe like a year younger than Seabrook was when Seabrook was like like in in line of that contract.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That would be, you know, if the cap wasn't flat next year, I would say they probably could get rid of him with ease. But that will be a tough one, I think. To yeah, you know, take
0: off the books. I mean, GMs are stupid. Like Doug Armstrong signed Justin Falk to 6.5 million for seven years when he still needed to sign Alex Petrangelo. And uh, I know that was before the flat cap, but if you're willing to give a guy who you haven't even seen uh, do anything for your team and has been like pretty middling like for a year or two um, that kind of money in term, then I'm sure someone's willing to take a chance on a guy who just won the cup.
1: Yeah. And I mean, Rutherford, just traded for michael matheson like yeah uh, we're,
0: we're getting a little ahead of ourselves on the rutherford talk okay, i do so, want to talk about rutherford in a right. bit, but uh, i'll
1: leave that then yeah but yeah, yeah. that a little that
0: stupid a little foreshadowing to our uh rutherford bashing in the future so um one last thing i want to say about the lightning um as a as a markham ontario native i have to uh just really pumped the tires of Steven Stamkos for that two minutes and 47 seconds that he played, but also just the leadership that he showed for this team. While injured, he was there all along. Um, I, w- I would have liked to see him s- skate a bit more and be able to play a bit more. It's too bad he had to aggravate whatever was uh, hurting him, but it was it was inspiring to see him get out on the ice. And uh, from one Markham native to another, I'm proud of you, Stammer, so way to go.
1: Yeah. yeah quite. And yeah, he, he, he definitely
0: stepped up. Wow. That was a snipe. Mm-hmm. Um, actually maybe, well, maybe we'll say one more thing about the lightning. Um, so Victor Hedman won the con Smythe would your, uh, obviously neither of us would are anywhere near having the <laughs> ability to cast a vote in this kind of thing, but what would your, uh, potential vote have been for the con Smythe?
1: Yeah, I would have voted for Victor Hedman, um, but I've always liked Victor Hedman for a number of years now. So, I mean, call that bias or whatever, but yeah, I would have I would have put a vote in for him. But uh, I really do like Braden Point's game, and yeah. he just he's the epitome of like just a hockey player who knows how to like put his heart and soul into the game and and effort. So,
0: yeah, it's really a toss up between those two guys I think with like Kucherov and Vasilevsky just like slightly behind them but not that far really because Kucherov and Vasilevsky both played unreal on this playoff run as well um yeah absolutely no issues with Hedman winning it I think he I think he deserves it and I think I probably would have given him the vote too um one stat that I heard that was just absolutely ridiculous was the fact that at five on five play during this playoff run uh, he was on the ice for 24 goals, four and only six against. So think about the fact that in the playoffs, he, and, and they only played in the play-in round and then the actual playoffs, so they didn't play any of those like garbage 16 through 24 teams. So they were only playing against the top 16 teams in the league consistently for their whole playoff run, and yet he was still plus 18 at five on five.
1: Okay. Here's a question for you
0: redraft john Tavares number one or victor hedman number one well with hindsight being 2020 20, i mean you go victor hedman i think but um i guess it depends on what your team wanted at the time if you want more immediate impact and su- success than john Tavares, um but it's looking pretty pretty one-sided at least for the last couple of years i think in victor hedman's favor
1: yeah maybe an unfair question but fun nonetheless
0: yeah absolutely no i i enjoy questions like that and uh yeah, it's 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 a hard question because yeah, like if your team was close to putting it together for the first like five or six years after that draft, then you go Tavares every time. But if you can be patient, then Hedman's the choice. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, while we're talking about stud defensemen, let's move on to talking about uh, stud defenseman who looks like he's going to be testing the free agent waters. That's uh, Alex Petrangelo. So. Doug Armstrong, as we alluded to earlier, is uh, a very stubborn man who makes some bewildering decisions from time to time. And one of them was signing Justin Falk to that extension that seems to be kind of showing the, the door to Alex Petrangelo in a sense, because they just don't have the cap space now to fit him. And I guess like at the time you could argue they thought the cap was going to be going up. They thought they'd be able to fit him under the cap, but... It just seems crazy to me that this team is not finding a way to get their captain who won them the cup from a year ago under contract. Um, What do you think about the whole Alex Petrangelo situation, Devin? Okay.
1: So a couple things, I guess. First of all, it is kind of bizarre that whole Justin Falk signing. Nobody understood that everyone I think was pretty perplexed by it. um, Given based on what you said. What I do kind of like though, and maybe I'm a minority here, is just the approach that they've taken or the stance that they've put down uh, saying like, here's what we're offering you. Now, I don't know how much of the details they've divulged. Apparently, they haven't given any details on the breakdown. But they kind of like drew a line in the sand and said like, we're not going past this. And I kind of... I kind of appreciate that, like especially as a Leafs fan going through like the contract, um, you know, issues we've had in the past and it seems like Dubis is always just kind of caving in. So I kind of like that they've at least said like, here's what we're offering. We're not going over it. Boston I think is pretty good at doing that as well.
0: Well, um, hold, hold on just for a sec. I, sorry. I'm just going to jump in there because hmm. I think I understand what you're saying, but um, the way that, and, and that's maybe one way it's being presented is they've dug a line in the sand for like, term in AAV but the thing is they haven't discussed any of the like parts or pieces of the contract with Petrangelo. so he's basically being given term in AAV without knowing uh, if there are any signing bonuses, if he gets a no movement clause, if there are any other stipulations to the contract. So without knowing what's actually in that contract, why would anyone in their right mind sign it? I don't understand yeah. what the point is of doing this. Like, why is Armstrong doing this? It just doesn't make sense to me.
1: Yeah. And I think like what you're saying, like uh, overrides sort of the the majority of the point that I'm making here for sure. Um, and rightly so, like, you're not going to sign. Like, imagine like, you know, you're applying to be a teacher and they're like, all right, just sign on the dotted line. You're not reading any of this contract or something, you know, you just, you wouldn't do that. But, um, but, I guess, like, the point I'm trying to make here is that I I like it when, like, a team is they have, like, an idea of where they want to go. You hope that Doug Armstrong does. And, like, if they fit in, they fit in. And um, I just also like the idea of questioning whether or not you want to re sign a guy despite everything that he's brought to your organization, whether or not you want to re sign him long term when he's probably only got a couple more years, you know, in them. we um, not that... offering these guys like the big contracts going into like, you know, age 37,
0: 38. Cause we've seen a lot of those deals happen and they never turn out well. Yeah, You're we just always talked about Ryan about McDonough and Brent Seabrook as examples. And Petrangelo, I think has quite a bit more to his game than those guys. He has a better chance of aging well based on a number of different like models that I've seen presented by guys who, I respect and uh, that I that I was reading like articles from like Don LaCision, I think had a pretty good article about what he expects Petrangelo's aging curve to look like. And of course the contract, regardless of who it is, is going to look bad in the age 37 and 38 years if they get those years. But his point seemed to be that he could see Petrangelo actually aging, aging fairly well um, over the duration of the contract. And his argument in the end was like, if someone is willing to give him, like eight point five million over eight years, it's probably worth it just because of the impact that Petrangelo can bring for the first like three to four years at least of that contract, especially if you're a team that needs that extra piece to win. So I guess like I understand the way that the hockey market
1: works for the most part but it's like why do we have to like give them <laughs> that <laughs> those extra three years why can't our contracts just be a little more reasonable but I totally, guess that's the way that the market works because if we're market, not sign, yeah. you're not going to sign somebody else is going to
0: sign them you're competing against 30 other teams so because like um, and and this year if there's going to be any year where like what you're arguing for or what you're vouching for is going to come to fruition it's this year because a lot of teams have internal caps this year based on the pandemic and the fact that owners. A lot of owners have money tied up in like the hospitality industry or the airline industry or something like that. They can't or afford to be signing players to the same money that they normally would. Um, but that being said, I still think that Petrangelo as crazy as it sounds at $8 million of AAV is a discount. It is a pandemic discount. Yeah, I. He was talking about ten to eleven million before this whole flat cap thing happened. Yeah, would have been pretty crazy, I guess. But like, Drew Doughty got eleven million AAV, signing a contract with LA pretty much at the same point as Petrangelo was coming into this free agency. Mm -hmm. So, um, so it's it's happened before, and it could be argued at this point actually that Petrangelo is a better defenseman at age thirty than Drew Doughty was at age thirty.
1: I was gonna bring up uh, like Drew Doughty. Um, you could look at Eric Carlson. You could look at um, Mark Edward. Yeah, Edwards, the, yeah the Carlson
0: deal is definitely not looking great right now for San Jose. Yeah, um, but, but yeah. Roman
1: Yossi got like nine and a half, and he's obviously like a
0: really good defenseman. That's, that's crazy. And to like, me actually, uh, the the Yossi only got nine and a half because you think sure. about the com- the comparables or the comparables, however you want to pronounce that word. Uh, of like, yeah, Carlson at eleven million, Drew Doughty at eleven million. And I guess the argument was Yossi didn't have the hardware at that point. Now he's got the Norris. So right. um, yeah, it looks good for Nashville, but anyway, continue.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, Petrangelo at eight, eight and a half. I that's, yeah, that's a good price. Like that's something that you got to sign up for, especially I think if you're the blues, you got to try to find a way to make that work, which just makes the Justin Falk signing not make literally any sense whatsoever. Um but I guess, yeah, just to hammer home that point, I just, I just like how some GMs are not always willing to just cave. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. But yeah. Petrangelo at 8, 8.5, that's a good price. That's a steal.
0: Yeah, and the thing is, it just seems that the Blues and Doug Armstrong, for whatever reason, refused to do signing bonuses and no-movement clauses. The only no-move clause that the Blues have is Ryan O'Reilly, and that's because it was inherited when they traded for him. Um, but yeah, if you give, it, it sounds like Petrangelo would potentially take eight to eight and a half million from them if he gets the signing bonus and a no move clause. And I just don't understand the logic in um, not doing that and then just trying to move out some worse contracts, like buy out Alex Steen for his last year and then trade Marco Scandella or something like that. Um, there there are ways to do it, and you could trade Justin Falk as well. You might have you probably have to eat some of that salary, but you could do it. There, there there, are lots of ways that they could get creative and make this work. And I know what you're saying you're, where you're dealing with a guy like Petrangelo who's already 30. It's not necessarily the best investment, but I think it's a better investment than some of the ones they currently have against the cap. And if you can trade those out and get, I don't know, just a bit more space to work with to so at the very least for your fans, keep the captain that just won them the cup. I think, I think that builds some good – or maintains the goodwill that was won during that cup run.
1: Yeah, hundred um, percent. And
0: they, St.
1: Louis, did it to themselves. Like they've got. I, again, I just go back to that fall contract. Like I don't know. I don't. It doesn't make any sense to me. They literally did it to themselves. They could yeah. have. Who would Who would not pay an extra one and a half million for Petrangelo over Justin Fall?
0: Yeah. Well, their loss could be our gain, Devin. So uh, let's talk about be. the potential of Petrangelo going elsewhere, namely. Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, possibly Vegas Golden Knights, I've heard as well. Those seem to be the two front runners actually, outside of St. Louis. So, um, what would you say to the Leafs potentially offering, like, eight years at $9 million to Petrangelo? Do you think that that's doable, or do you think that's too insane? That's insane.
1: Yeah. And it's not. it's not insane for... Petrangelo. And like, again, I I feel like the people listening to this probably think I'm like anti Petrangelo and like he's not worth like this contract. And St. Louis, dude, like did like the right thing. But Toronto is a different, way different situation. And one of the reasons why I like GMs being able to, you know, get the team to all take discounts together, like Boston, like Tampa, is because you can make these types of guys fit into your plan. And the Leafs, I don't see how. Okay. I've seen a lot of people um show how they can make Petrangelo yeah, fit can, they in. They can now. get creative. Sure. You can get creative, but it's like seriously, like you wanna just start picking away and trading literally everyone who has a cap over one million dollars. That just you're gonna have no depth. Look at what happened to Tampa and look at what happened to Dallas Tampa maintained a lot of its depth and they were playing well without Stamkos for a while. T- or Dallas lost their second and third line center and a few other guys and that hurt them like Radek Faxa um, and Rupe Hints. like that. They need, you need depth. Where's our depth going to come from if we sign Angel as much as I want him. Marner is getting paid too much. I've heard this conversation so many times. Where does it all end at? It just comes back to, oh yeah, I guess we paid Marner a bit too much. That's literally where it goes. <laughs> or we shouldn't have signed Tavares and we should have had more depth. It's about the four contracts we have right now that are costing
0: a lot of money. Robin, what do you think? I think if you can sign Petrangelo, it's really hard to say no to. Um, that being said, like if they sign to eight years, like I do feel pretty wary about that. I know my initial thoughts when I saw he was coming on the market was like, Ooh, that'd be sweet for five years. And that was like what I was thinking. And then I was like hearing all these reports about him wanting seven or eight years. And I was like, Ooh, I don't know. But then I read that article that, or like a couple articles I was telling you about that showed that he projects to have a better aging curve than other guys. But anyway, that like one injury and that aging curve is bullshit. It doesn't matter anymore. Like look at Eric Carlson, for example, a guy who should be the best defenseman in the world still and should be worth the money that he's getting paid, but he is a far cry from what he was even just like two years ago um, and that could happen to anyone so it's it's always troublesome and scary to sign a thirty year old to an eight year contract I think, and uh it's tough to say, like I can see the pros and cons of both sides i can see part of me really wants them to sign him and then just even trade mitch marner uh just because i feel like there's too much money invested in the in the forwards and if they want to invest heavily in in the team with like some high paid players they should spread it out a bit more it shouldn't just all be on one position um so it would it would feel like a little more balanced if they had petrangelo for say eight years 9 million and then traded mitch marner for um, I don't know, just a whole bunch of futures and prospects, plus like a cheap, I don't know, like a a, a young cheap guy or something that is like not the same ceiling obviously as Marner. But then at the same time, you have a guy in Mitch Marner who is dynamic, who could be a top scorer in the league at some point throughout the duration of this contract that he has, um, and he's way younger than Petrangelo too. So you, it's uh, it's tough to it's tough to trade a guy like that, but. And, and I and I really like Mitch Marner. Like he's he was my favorite player on the team, probably still is my favorite player on the team if you just forget the whole contract bullshit. But uh yeah, there's so many ways you can deal with this. I would like to see the Leafs improve their defense and get a better defenseman who can be a number one defenseman, take some pressure off of Morgan Riley. Um but yeah, I don't want to do it at the expense of paying him nine million when he's like uh just falling apart.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um Alex Petrangelo seven by eight million with like signing bonuses and stuff, sign me up. Yeah. But um, you know, at nine million, it's just I think it's a little bit too much for what the Leafs can handle. If, you know, the Marners and the the Matthews were able to have come in five hundred thousand dollars less each. Then nine million, maybe we could have made that work for a guy like Petrangelo. But I think one of the problems too that we have when we talk about trading Mitch Marner is, is that we all know Mitch Marner is an amazing, incredible hockey player. But like he's just not an eleven million dollar amazing hockey yeah. player. And, he's and like a nine, nine and a half. And the rest know? of
0: the league realizes that too. Like, the, like I said, I said do. the GMs are dumb, but I still think that uh, they're smart enough to not potentially give what they would have for Mitch Marner when he was an RFA now that he's earning 10.9 million. Absolutely. And the difference here too, is like, there's a lot
1: of teams with like $6 million contracts where the player just doesn't produce anything. Like, you know, like, Oh, this is a bad contract. Yeah. Right. But his, you look at him and you're like, well, that's a really good player who puts up 90 points a season, but like that's, there's other assets or sorry, other parts of the game that he just doesn't necessarily bring every night. So, uh, 10, 10.8 or whatever, or 11 million. He's just not quite there. He's a little bit overpaid.
0: Yeah. And I just imagine like, I'm, I'm trying to think of scenarios that would make any sense. Uh, cause you need to find a team that has a ton of cap space basically, um, in order to ship that out and have it make sense that you're not having to also trade out depth in order to sign Petrangelo because like I don't necessarily think that we need to ship out Kerfoot and Johnson and trade Freddie Anderson and then get like a worse goalie. Um, We already talked about the Freddie Anderson situation and didn't really come to a full agreement, but Anderson at 5 million is not bad really. I think it makes sense. Um, So if we were to trade out Anderson and get someone cheaper we maybe save two million, but we probably end up with a goalie who's like slightly worse than Freddie in the long run. Um, so I'm just thinking here,
1: uh a team that could potentially take on someone like Marner. I was I was thinking of a comparable. Like look at what the New York Rangers did. They signed Panarin to like twelve million dollars a year. And it's like they were a team that was Trying to sort of make a turn But didn't have like too much invested In a whole lot of other people Like what about like a New Jersey or an LA Or something who are trying to make that turn Who can take on maybe somebody like that
0: But again They they, they might but they're also not in a position to be winning right now They're not ready Like Mitch Marner is not going to be the the piece That pushes them to like cup contender So I think you need to look for a team That's got space that sees themselves As having their window open right now That would want to trade for him that's basically Colorado and Winnipeg. Um, I think those are like the only two you could really like argue. And then like with a, with a team like Winnipeg, they, they, they want to use that space for defensemen. They don't want to use that space for Mitch Marner. They're already trying to get rid of Patrick Laine apparently. So um, yeah, basically yeah. the argument that you're presenting is like, it's you're just saying like
1: these people have money. But that's, it doesn't mean they necessarily want them because no. they win.
0: Colorado's going to spend it on their RFAs. Colorado probably loves the fact that they have that space because they get mentioned in every single trade possibility. They have so many, the world is their oyster. They have so many different possibilities right now to fill that space. They could sign Taylor Hall. They could sign Petrangelo themselves if they want. Um, they could trade for Mitch Marner and just trade up like Bo and Byron, basically like one for one for Mitch Marner, just so like they're doing the Leafs a favor to flip, to clear up the cap space to sign Petrangelo. Um, I don't know. They could do a lot of things, basically. But uh, I don't know what they want to do. And they probably don't really feel like helping a team like the Leafs out of their cap bind. So, yeah. They, no. they, they, I'm sure they. Uh, Joe Sack is a smart GM. I'm sure he realizes Mitch Marner's is getting paid too much. So, um, yeah.
1: Yeah. No, it'll be interesting uh, for those Leafs fans listening in, like what. Kyle Dubas is going to end up doing Um, because if he does sign Petrangelo, you know that there's going to be a lot of guys getting traded, probably not at the highest value that they could be traded at. And um, if he doesn't get signed, then you know that there are some potential trades or other signings coming our way. So it's exciting. It's kind of exciting.
0: So where do you see Petrangelo ending up? Like what's your best guess? Um, I think a team like
1: Vegas could, like, I, and I'm saying this just, I'm picking Vegas because they're in the rumor mill. And if they're interested, then they're going to make an offer. Probably it would make sense. It's not like they have a guy who's like standout, you know, a defensive stall where Shea Theodore isn't like a top 10 defenseman or a top he's, 15, but
0: he's playing his way to that conversation though. Like he had a pretty, pretty damn good season and then an unreal playoffs, but he did. Yeah. He's maybe better known for his offensive side than his defensive side at this point. So mm-hmm. we don't, we don't know how well-rounded his game is going to be. Um, and if uh, Vegas years. can trade
1: flurry and maybe like Craig Smith or do they have Craig Smith? Who is that? No. Um, it's uh, what's who's I can't Riley remember Smith. One. <laughs> is it Riley Smith?
0: Well, they don't want to trade Riley Smith. He's on a pretty decent contract.
1: They've got a couple five million dollar
0: players there. Riley with. Smith is five million, but uh, I think he
1: had a bit of a down year though. But anyways, he's, yeah, he's
0: still worth he's still worth the contract I think right now. Fair enough. But yeah, yeah they could trade.
1: They, they'd have to make some moves though if they're gonna bring in Petrangelo. Yeah, or would. they would.
0: They would have to maybe even trade. Well, they need to get rid of Paul Stasny, I think was the big one that's like an outlier. Um, Do you think
1: Edmonton or like New Jersey could make a run at a guy like Petrangelo?
0: Um, not really. No, I don't see it happening. I don't think that Edmonton has enough cap space and, um, yeah. They're interested in
1: Ekman Larson and he's 8.5. Like they're right in the rumor mill with that. But.
0: I also think that they struggle to sign free agents because people don't really yeah. want to play in Edmonton, even though they have the chance to play with Dreisaitl and McDavid yeah um, sadly this uh edmonton is the hub city thing didn't do wonders for the city um right. players were also promised a lot of uh fly fishing in the rocky mountains that they didn't get because edmonton like spoiler alert is four hours away by drive from the rocky mountains True. so uh yeah i don't it, i think about like a guy like Ilya Brzezgalov's comments uh, years past about like Winnipeg, they pretty much double for Edmonton. Edmonton's pretty similar in terms of climate to Winnipeg. Okay, so
1: who's more likely then? Let's, is it going to be Toronto, Vegas, or St. Louis? Who do you think is more likely? Because I can't think of any other teams it's gonna, outside
0: it's of be just, like The most likely is always the team that owns his rights currently at St. Louis. I think okay. like history dictates with hockey players, they're boring and predictable. They often stay where their stuff is and where they've created a, a, a home for their family. Like they're, mm-hmm. I shouldn't say boring and predictable. It's like admirable. They they don't want to uproot their family. That's not a bad thing. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, like Pietrangelo already has a house there. He's already like well-established in the community there as friends there. So like it would make the most sense for them to find a way to make it work. And it sounds like they're not that far off on like AAV in years. It's just Doug Armstrong needs to stop being Doug Armstrong,
1: basically. <laughs> yeah. I Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Leafs get in there and it be some kind of strange number in the eights. But yeah, yeah.
0: I would be excited and happy to have Alex Petrangelo as a Leaf. I think he's exactly the type of player that they need um i just need to see like what kyle dubas has up his sleeve to make that work and it better not be just shedding even more depth it better not be like we're loading up five guys with like 10 million dollars on average worth of contract and then just signing a whole bunch of jason spezza's
1: Well, we got we can sign Corey Perry and then we can sign Patrick Marleau and we're then not, we can sign. We're not, Joe we're not getting
0: Corey Perry for any less than like two million, though. After the he had a pretty decent playoffs, I think he's probably getting yeah. three million or something that like that.
1: He's yeah. getting Patrick Maroon for eight hundred. And...
0: <laughs> yeah, because Patrick Maroon signs with teams like the Leafs, who didn't even make the playoffs for eight hundred thousand dollars. If he,
1: if he gets paid eight hundred thousand again after winning back to back cups. <laughs>
0: He's got a better agent at that point. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, yeah, so we made our picks for Petrangelo. Um, since we've been talking about one GM who's kind of, uh, crap in the bed in his own respective way with the Petrangelo back and forth, let's talk about another GM who's really crapped the bed for a little while. Now that's Jim Rutherford. We teased this out a little bit earlier. Um, so Jim Rutherford has been a busy, busy man since the Pens were seemingly uninspired in the bubble for whatever reason and lost to the Habs pretty easily. So he's been trying to remake the team, quote-unquote, make them younger, which means trading for a bunch of guys whose average age is 27, um, which I, I guess is probably a little bit younger than the current roster. But yeah, so he, we all know about the Kapanen trade. We've talked about that before um, and how he probably gave up too much for Kasperi Kapanen. Um, but then we also have him shipping out Patrick Hornquist for Mike Matheson and who was Jared the other part pardon? pardon, Jared? I think it was Jared McCann, wasn't it? No, they already had Jared McCann. Um, okay. Oops. No, no worries. Let me, uh, Colton Sevier, Colton Sevier. Colton that's Sevier. who it was. Yeah. But the main parts obviously are Hornqvist and Matheson. McCann. They
1: re-signed McCann. That's yeah. yeah they re-signed
0: him to like close to 3 million a year for two years, but Yeah, what do you and and additionally, they traded Nick Bugstad to the Minnesota Wild for a seventh rounder and retained salary. So, what do you make of all these moves by uh, Rutherford? Any, oh, one more thing. One more thing, sorry. He's also said that Jack Johnson's going nowhere.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, like, (laughs) (laughs) what I don't know what he's trying to do. Like, what, where are they going? What is the direction? Like, does he he must see something in these players that nobody else sees? Either that or he's just delusional. Because, like, I don't think Michael Matheson, I don't even know if he's a top four guy. Like, maybe he's a number four on a good night, but I don't he's, it, worry. Like six years, I think he signed for at 4.875.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then you know, Colton Sevier, fine. I mean, I what fourth line center or winger. But um, I just I don't think he's getting like good value, and I think he's actually gonna make his team a little bit more strangled like cap wise, very quickly. I feel like he already has to be honest. And uh, the Bukestad trade, like really, like you've had to retain salary on that too. I is he rushing here? Like I feel like he needs a bit more
0: patience. So. Who knows? Like, maybe I'm completely wrong. Maybe you're completely wrong. And he's like, I mean, Lou Lamorella, won GM of the year this year. So like, clearly I don't know anything about GMs, but uh, yeah, I just feel like he lucked into those two cup wins that Pittsburgh got. Like any team that you inherit that has Crosby and Malkin is going to have a chance to win cups. Like they're just that good. Um, But like and the Phil Kessel trade was a bit of a gift too in some ways because Toronto we were just like we need to get rid of these guys we need to get rid of Finuff and Kessel at all costs it doesn't matter what we do, um so like he lucked into some stuff for sure, and kudos to him for for making that Kessel trade being the guy who jumped at that, but uh, by and large Jim Rutherford's time in Pittsburgh has left me like not understanding what the direction is and what he's trying to do. I think about like him acquiring Ryan Reeves for a first round pick and then shipping him out like less than a year later to Vegas. And like just the the diminishing returns like that with like Galchenyuk with um, Nick Bugstad, like he's tried to get a a bunch of these reclamation projects for guys who he values very highly, but have seemed to like lost a lot of uh, value around the league. But then, it doesn't work. (laughs) I don't know. Like I just don't like Jack Johnson is another example for sure. Um, Just these guys that I don't understand what he's doing, paying them as much or paying as much for them as he does. Um, Brandon Tanev, that contract. I mean, Tanev had a good year this year, but basically he played the best you could have expected him to possibly play. And he still probably wasn't quite worth the amount, the 3.5 million or whatever it is that he makes. Okay,
1: so I'm just kind of – because I couldn't really make sense of what I wanted to say about this guy, and I'm just listening to you. And what I'm hearing is he's a very reactive GM. He seems to just kind of maybe do things off of, what, emotions? Like he just literally reacts, and he's like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. Take the money, Jack Johnson. Here's 3.25. Take 2.94, Jeremy Cannon. Here you go. Like, and you know, Connor Sherry brings him in, uh, Brandon yeah, Tana 3.5, the, 3. Yeah, the, 3. the 5, nepotism
0: 3. too. Yeah. of bringing it's like, back Connor Sherry.
1: It's like, he's handing out contracts just to like, without thinking like things through of how the pieces all fit together. Like, I don't think anyone was going to pay Brandon Tana of that money. I don't think anyone was going to pay Jack Johnson that money. I don't think anybody wanted and was calling about Michael Matheson. No, like, it's. It seems like he's just acting. Like even his press conference, where he's like, "There's going to be changes," and boom, there were changes. Like immediately, he trades the first round pick in one of the deepest drafts in recent history, just like that, for you know, Casper Kapanen. Who, if anyone, you know, has been watching Kapanen, he hasn't played well with our stars. Why is he going to all of a sudden be a fifty to sixty point player with Pittsburgh? So again, like you said, he's rolling the dice. I would say. Two things, reactive and diminishing returns. That's what people are looking at, just like you said.
0: Yeah, I. this this is what I'm seeing in him. And who knows, maybe he see something that we don't and Kapanen becomes that player that he envisions. But from everything that I've seen with Kapanen, like you said, he's had every opportunity. Granted, he's only played 200 career NHL games. It's not a ton, but it's still a decent sample size. Like it's still a decent amount to see what his skill set is. He's fast, but he doesn't seem to have the hands to finish consistently. Um, yeah, I don't know. I uh, I think that Pittsburgh. Well, last year I actually picked Pittsburgh to not make the the playoffs. I thought that the bottom was going to fall out this like this past season, and it didn't. So who knows? Maybe they have some more in them because Crosby and Malkin are that good. Maybe Latang plays healthy and out of his mind. Maybe Tristan Jari is the real deal. Um, a number of things could happen, I guess. Like maybe Brian Rust inconceivably puts up a point per game again next season and plays like 22 minutes a game. Um,
1: I know that uh, the season next year they're, they they want to play like a full 82 games, and it's like how do they fit that all in? Be so condensed. if it's yeah, so maybe he's thinking like. I just want to get bodies that have experience and can play hockey. Therefore I'll trade like Patrick Hornfest for two NHL players. Yeah. And I guess
0: like, to be fair, Patrick Hornfest has a lot of miles on him. Like he has, is constantly getting injured. He's not, he hasn't played more than like 65 games this season in forever, it seems like. So by the, by those metrics and by the fact that you're saying like, it's going to be a condensed schedule, lots of back-to-backs, a guy like Hornquist is going to be lucky to play like half the season next year. True. And
1: Michael Matheson and Colton Sevier come in a little bit above um, Hornquist's cap hit, but they're two guys that can probably step in and play in a lot of different situations.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we need to give him more credit. I mean, Matheson, maybe he wasn't fitting in in Florida due to just like, personality clashes or something something we don't know that's going on behind the scenes because when he signed that deal it didn't seem like a huge stretch when it was initially signed it's just like the last couple of years where his play has gone downhill where it seemed like uh, a bad deal so maybe all, a fresh yeah. start will help him
1: in all fairness i know nothing about michael matheson i'm just a guy with a microphone talking about michael (laughs) Michael mathson 20 points in 59 nhl games 27 the year before that and 75 but you know who he kind of reminds me of uh or at least the signing kind of reminds me of and the narrative is cody cc
0: yeah um i don't think he's that bad but few few people are so uh best of luck to you cody cc in free agency i saw a story pop up on my phone earlier today Cody Cody CC officially testing the waters of free agency. Like no shit, obviously. Yeah. I <laughs> like, didn't even think that was going to be news. Like, yeah, like who who clicks on that is like what? Like obviously Cody CC was going to be a free agent. Yeah, a lot um, of hearts broken with that one. Yeah, uh, maybe we'll talk about uh, since since we're talking about the Leafs' future without Cody CC, maybe we'll talk about the Leafs' future with a shiny new fifteenth overall draft pick that they got from the idiot Jim Rutherford. So uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about the draft and the potential prospects that could fall to the Leafs at number 15, Devin. Um, who are you most hopeful ends up at that number 15 spot for them?
1: Okay. Well, that's a – okay. Who would I be most hopeful for but somewhat realistic? Somewhat like, this, is, yeah. this is like the absolute limits of possible realism, I think. Uh, so I'm stretching it still, and that would be probably Askarov. I don't think Askarov's gonna fall to 15, but no. if that goalie is available, I would love to get him. I guess my next like stretch of a pick would be Anton Lundell. He's uh, a center, six uh, one, somewhere like around 180, 190 pounds. Um,
0: I think he could. I think I think there's a chance, the a decent chance that he would be still around.
1: If he is. I say they take him like, apparently he's just a really good kind of two way um, forward. Who's got a lot of hockey IQ, but Mm -hmm. I I would like to, I would like another center in the, in the organization.
0: Yeah. So here's the thing last year. uh, The, the, the Canadians were picking at number 15 and no one could have expected Cole Caulfield would fall to number 15 at them or fall fall all the way to them at number 15 I should say so crazy stuff can happen Um, guys can come from off the board from even like projected outside of the first round to be picked in the top 10 so um, with that being said I think it's pretty certain that your top well we know our top 3 basically we know Lafreniere, we know Byfield we know Stutzel will probably be the top 3 beyond that we have a pretty good guess that guys like Perfetti and Raymond are going to be picked and not be available for the Leafs, but I feel like, and maybe Marco Rossi and Jamie Drysdale, I would say as well, but beyond that, anyone I think really could potentially slide to them, um, so a guy like Alex Holtz could could make it to them, which would be pretty unreal. Um, I don't see Jake Sanderson making no, it to them. I, I think say, that I don't think Sanderson. I think that the, the defensemen are too scarce, like the to, the top the top end defensemen. So I, I feel like he and Drysdale are probably going top ten. This yeah, that's
1: a. I was just gonna say I do think Jake Sanderson's actually like he could very well crack the top ten. So many so many scouts have been raving about how amazing of a defender this guy is the offense. That's the one that they're looking for and they can't quite figure out what his ceiling is there, but like, he is like a stud defenseman.
0: Yeah. So sadly, I don't think there's going to be a defenseman at 15 for the Leafs that feels like the the right value. Um, there, there are some that are okay that could be decent picks there, but I think that the best value is going to be had with a forward that's that slides probably. Yep. Um, and if Leafs want to go with
1: the defender then just trade back because honestly yeah. like that that like that next tier there. of defensemen there's like five or six of them i think they're all around the same skill level
0: so just trade yeah. back from what i can tell it feels like the top 11 or 12 picks are pretty like solid but then when if, if no one slides out of that top 11 or 12 to them at 15 they might as well trade back i think mm-hmm. um that being said i'd be pretty happy if they got a guy like jack quinn at 15 yeah. um yeah. He, I think he put up like 52 goals in the in the OHL this year, was it? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Plus, his name is Jack Quinn. So, like, both of the Hughes brothers combined. Imagine the power of both Hugheses in one in one body. So it's a good point. Yeah, that's all I see when I see that name. I'm just like, you thought Quinn Hughes is good. You thought Jack Hughes was well. Yeah. Good until he got onto a New Jersey Devils <laughs> team that sucks. <laughs> um, just wait imagine, imagine both. Imagine the best of both of them put into one body yeah. and scoring multiple hat tricks for the Leafs.
1: <laughs> That's it. No, I, I hear you. I just he was kind of on my list there of guys to pick at 15-2. I just don't think he's gonna. He's he probably slip down there though.
0: He's probably yeah, going to get picked in the early like eleven, twelve, thirteen, something, yep. something range like that. Yeah, I can knows?
1: see
0: it But yeah, I I am excited based on the fact that like you said, it's a deep draft and um lots of options to choose from. Um are there any other names out there that you would be happy to see get there?
1: Um well third definitely Jack Quinn. Um and then I wonder if Seth Jarvis, Seth Jarvis finds his yeah. way down there too. I'm not exactly sure. Um Have you heard anything about this guy, Noel Gunner? Gunler.
0: I have. I heard that he's got a lot of people divided on his uh, ability, and Mm -hmm. so he's he's intriguing. But I think he'll go after fifteen.
1: I I think so too.
0: People who are unsure about him. Yeah. One guy who take over. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, one guy who I've seen pretty high up on the boards that could be available at fifteen is uh, Connor Zari. Mm-hmm. but yeah, I'd be more excited by Jack Quinn, I think. Would you
1: take uh Lundell or Jack Quinn at 15?
0: Ooh, it's tough. Cause like, I really do like my Swedish players for sure. Although is he Finnish? I think
1: actually? he's Finnish.
0: Yeah. He just has a Swedish name. Um, one of those <laughs> Swedish fins kind of, but, um, <laughs> like Mikael Granlund. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, uh, it's tough to, tough to go against the Swede Finn, but Jack Quinn, that name. It's the power of both Hughes's. you got to go with Jack Quinn. <laughs> the goal-scoring ability is pretty nice. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think it would be tough. That would definitely give you pause, but I don't know. Maybe I would take the center, though. I don't know.
0: Yeah, either, either or is good. Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, lots to think about, lots to choose from if you're uh, Kyle Dubas in the brass. Um Another thing we could maybe talk about is just all the crazy trade rumors that have been floating around lately with like some pretty big names. So for about 10 minutes there, it looked like Jack Eichel was maybe going to to a different team. Um I don't know if we should put any stock into that. It seems like that got quashed pretty quickly, but uh that was fun for a little bit at least considering that he could be uh on the on the on the go. Um but one one that we should maybe actually talk about is Patrick Laine. Um, what do you think about Winnipeg shopping Patrick Laine right now? Again, um,
1: that oh man, that's a tough one. Like the guy's gonna put up, he's gonna score in the NHL for so many years to come, like so many years, um, and he's just gonna be consistent. I just don't know what that contract's going to look like, and if the if the Jets have already decided that, hey, like we can't pay this guy the money that he's going to command, and we just don't think that he fits either on the team in terms of the rest of his play style or even in the locker room. I don't know. I don't know anything that goes on in there, but you know, if they've already kind of decided that, because it it seems like they've they have it really does because they've been talking about potentially trading him since the first signing that they had to do with him and if they've made that up for themselves then you know have at it get that second line center get the defenseman that they need um it, they're not going to get the the value that I think they they they're not going to get fair value I think for him with the the types of goals that he puts up but I think it might be more of like a character thing and a play style thing than it is you know the fact that line a is just A prolific goal scorer in the league
0: yeah so if that's the case it reminds me of like other situations that are similar in the past like Tyler Sagan for example for example of a player who clearly has the ability clearly um could make his team regret the decision moving forward but for whatever reason is not like as they said is not a Boston Bruin or is not what they envisioned a Boston Verne to be. Maybe Patrick Line is not what they envisioned a Winnipeg Jet to be. Um, It does seem crazy though, given like, just think about the year that he and Matthews came on the scene and how insanely good Patrick Line looked that year. How he was just like putting up hat-tricks, just like undressing defenders, just that lethal shot of his, he looked like he was the next Alex Ovechkin, basically. And it seems insane to me to sell this low on a guy who has that potential and is still not even 22 years old, I think. Like, I'm pretty sure he's 21 right now. I think he's 21, yeah. Um. I I know that you have holes to fill on defense if you're Winnipeg, but there have to be better ways to do it than selling Patrick Line. Um. I feel like if I were the Jets, and as like strange as this sounds, I would be looking to trade someone like Blake Wheeler before Patrick Line, even though he's your captain. Because he's a guy whose play has been kind of getting worse the last couple of years. He still put up decent points, but his possession numbers and just his, his overall impact on the game is not what it used to be. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I I I feel like there are other ways to do it and and that would make a a pretty big hole to fill in terms of leadership on the team, but a guy like Shifley, I feel like or Kyle Connor, they they have pretty good like Shifley I think has pretty good leadership qualities from what I've seen. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Well, no, to your point, if they can move out Blake Wheeler, yeah, 100%. Like I would probably do that and well I would do that. I would 100% do that if I was in wanting to keep Line A. I'd just move out Wheeler, but I just don't know. I don't know how. Man, eh, I guess you know. Even if you have to eat a bit of cap, like you would do it. I would do it in order to keep Line A.
0: I don't even think you have to eat cap for uh, moving out Blake Wheeler. To be honest, I think he's pretty highly valued around the league, especially by some of those older GMs. Just get Rutherford on the phone, and you'll have uh, no problem doing a one for one Letang for Wheeler, probably. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, that's uh that's a really good point. And yeah, looking at his contract after twenty, 2020, twenty, twenty one, he's only got three more years at uh eight two five. So and yeah, he'll be he'll be good for at least two of those. He'll be good for all the years. He just won't and by the third year he'll be like mm, sixty, seventy percent of uh um, what he is now, which yeah, still isn't I bad.
0: Just- I, I just have trouble understanding the the Patrick Line thing, unless he's fallen that far out of favor with the team. Um, like maybe there's something behind the scenes that we just don't know. But
1: and that's yeah, what I was kind of saying. But yeah,
0: I, I guess yeah. It's just uh, you have a guy who has so much talent and so much ability. Um, but who knows? Maybe. Well, oh, how much do you think he's going to ask for? I don't think he can ask for that much right now, based on what he's done. Like, he, he feels like he's going from bridge deal to bridge deal, but who knows what he puts up this year? Um, they also said he played better defensively last year, so like he's rounding his game out. Maybe they, he could get like five years at forty-five million or five years at forty million or something like that out of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you're the Jets, that's reasonable.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's probably good. Yeah, I would do that. And yeah, like, I guess I guess they just really want to fill the second line center and they they know that they're and that's the thing, a, like they I mean,
0: they've got a they've got a potential for a great deal to re sign him because he has had, had no second line center to feed him the puck. Like true. Part of the reason his numbers are not as explosive as you might expect is that he's not had that much time to play on the top line. Like he did a little bit at the beginning of the year and he was really mm-hmm. good at the beginning of the year, but more often than not, he's been on that second line with Brian Little when he's healthy which is not that often and even if he is healthy like it's Brian Little
1: that's a really good point that's one of the reasons why the Leafs shouldn't have signed Tavares right (laughs) his Marner's numbers got inflated and I'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) I'm just joking here (laughs) but yeah no like to your point like if you're in that situation and you're like
0: wow if we actually gave this guy a center what could he do
1: yeah yeah that's a good point
0: so uh, yeah, I think we can move on from the line A conversation. We both agree that he's worth more than they would probably get in a trade for him right now. Yeah, um, we have no idea where he would go. No. Um, maybe we can move on to talking about uh, Hank Lundqvist, the king, getting bought out by the New York Rangers today. Um, end of an era with him in New York. He was probably i think undoubtedly the best goalie of their franchise like in their franchise's history which is crazy considering their franchise's history goes back almost 100 years i think um yeah what are your thoughts on uh hank getting bought out today
1: makes sense i would have done it too or i would have tried to trade him i know like i'm i'm cutthroat. apparently like i don't care if my veterans have been there like forever like if i want to try to tra- transition and do something with the money, then I'm going to do it. Um,
0: well, yeah, but, no, I agree but, with you.
1: Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, but that being said, I think this could actually be really good for Hank because like, I don't think he's going to retire. There's some questions like, will he retire? Is he only ever going to play for Rangers? No, I think the guy wants a cup. Like, I think he genuinely does. So, Well, everyone does, right? He's playing in the NHL. But he can imagine... A guy who is literally one of the best goalies in the league, probably the best goalie in New York Rangers franchise history, I would imagine, and doesn't win a cup. And then the next team he goes to in old age, he wins a cup with like Colorado or imagine if Tampa was like, see you later, McElhinney, And we're going to bring in Hank yeah. on like the cheapest well, deal like,
0: ever. You could, you could make, if you really s- squint hard enough, you could make that, argument that like oh he's probably friends with Victor Hedman like put the Swedes together there on that team sure. or I don't know why we're always trying to make the countrymen best friends with each other even when there's like an eight-year age gap between them but uh, <laughs> yeah like Henrik Lundfist th- I'm sure he'll find a spot as a as a 1b or a backup and on like a very cheap salary and he'll prove amazing value because he's He's still Hank. Like, I know he's 38. I know he hasn't put up great numbers the last couple of years, but he's also been playing behind a pretty terrible defense in New York. Um, yeah. I think that if he gets onto a team like, say, yeah, like Tampa or I don't know about Colorado because I think they're pretty happy to go with France, France and uh Maybe Vegas or St. Bauer. Louis. If, yeah, if Vegas, if Vegas oh. gets rid of Flurry and then they have Leonard, and then they could go one-two Swede goalie combo again, mm-hmm. pairing up those Swedes. <laughs> That's um, in <it>, <laughs> That could work. Um, who knows? Maybe Anton Vidobin has priced himself out of the one B role in Dallas, and then a guy like Hank is like, "Hey, I I could probably get a 920 save percentage playing behind that defense. <laughs> Let me in yeah. over there." So I think there's uh, a lot of teams that'd be interested. Yeah, I think so too. Um, Hell, Leafs trade Freddie Anderson. Maybe they go for a Jack Campbell, Henry Lundqvist combo. I wouldn't advise it, but it's no. a possibility. But yeah, it's I think they need someone better to buoy that combo. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But in that yeah. case, like he, he does have something left in him, I think. And uh, I, I understand the Rangers doing what they've done for sure, because eight point five million is way too much for a third string goalie, obviously. Yeah. Um, and it's the only way to really justify them having not traded Georgiev at the trade deadline this last year, I think is if they, if they saw him in their future plans, uh, part of a combo with Shuster
1: So I just want to quickly mention here, like how good are the Rangers going to be like next year or in two years, this is going to be a terrifying team, like absolutely terrifying.
0: Oh, absolutely. I, uh, well, there's a podcast that I did with a couple Yellowknife friends just like in probably like February or something where we were just picking our, uh, or it might have been March, where we are just for fun picking who we thought would be the cup winners for the next five years. And I picked the Rangers in 2022 and in 2024. So wow. that tells you what I, what I think about the Rangers and how they're setting themselves up right now.
1: Yeah. And not to go too far into this conversation, but rumor is they're looking for like another second line center or I shouldn't even say second line, just a center if you can help out with Mika Zinajad, despite Ryan Strom having a breakout year, which was a really good year by him. So kudos to him. Yeah. But I've heard like Monaghan, they're looking into him. And then obviously when we talked about Jack Eichel earlier, I heard they were they made a phone call anyways.
0: Yeah. And I mean, like this was a team that I thought was set up to win the cup in a couple of years. And that was before they got the first overall pick this year. So yeah, add, yeah, so so think about like Cabo Caco as he gets better with Lafreniere, with Panarin. Um so those are three of their top four wingers. That's just insane. Bucnevich and, and kraftsov Bucnevich, Kraftsov, yeah. Um then you've got Philip potentially getting better over the years and not to mention Zabanijad, who's already basically a heart candidate. Oh, he um, is. Yeah, they've got a lot of good players and then their defense, they've got like Adam Fox as he grows into his game is going to be a stud. Um Jacob Trouba's already a great two-way defenseman. Tony D'Angelo. D'Angelo, I don't know how I feel about him long-term. I... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but he he can put up points, so give him that. Um but I feel like they made they made the right move as a tough move with uh the with uh, Lundqvist and with Mark Stahl as well, who they traded out, and um, yeah, yeah. The sky's the limit for this team, I think.
1: Yeah, well, they needed to fit in Jack Eichel when they trade Lafreniere <laughs> plus for him, right? So, <laughs> Ooh. stoking the calls here, yeah. <laughs> get the fire going.
0: Yeah, so a, little, a little, cross state trade there. Uh, nothing, nothing. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure, Sabres <laughs> fans would have no problem with that whatsoever. Ah, jeez. Anyway, that would be uh, Yeah. Is there uh is there anything else that we wanted to to chat about here while I've got you on the pod, Devin? Uh, well
1: I think uh we covered quite a bit tonight, to be honest yeah, with you. Um, absolutely. So yeah. We could uh mm, sorry.
0: No, no. Go go ahead.
1: I was just gonna say we could start up another podcast, you know, a little <laughs> when it gets closer to uh the draft day or something, maybe maybe see it just for fun. It would be cool if we had uh, couple people on and lay out our top ten picks and see how close we get or something.
0: Yeah if we did like a live draft watch podcast or something like that. That'd be fun. That'd be fun I don't, fun know, I don't know, know, know how the timing would work out with uh I I have no idea like what time the, the draft is scheduled if it's like at seven PM, p.m. stream time or Our time. P.m.?
1: Yeah. Okay, so, so it's it'd like be five 10 PM Yell night. Or seven here, five. Yeah, five, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a plan.
0: Um, anyway, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you then. And, uh, thanks so much for being on the the podcast again, Devin. Um, I'm glad we're, uh, we're becoming quick co-hosts on this thing and, uh, it's going in a good direction. So thank you for your contributions.
1: Yeah. It's fun to be on, man.
0: All right. Well, stay happy, stay healthy and have a good night then.